Good morning. How many of you have seen that movie? Yes. All right. I asked Lexi this morning. I'm like, hey, how old were you when that movie was put out? And I was like, I was expecting her to say like four years old. Uh, that was 30 years ago. I was thinking it was like 20 years ago. And she's like 24. And she's like, my parents weren't even married when that movie came out. <laughs> I was like, I'm getting older. Hey, oh, yes, if you are a next-gen person, grades 6 through 12, this is your chance to bail. If you don't want to hear me talk, you can hang out with, there's Justin. Justin, wave your hand. Next-gen's going to be hanging out in the connection room. You can follow him out there, and they always have donuts, which is wonderful. So, yes, all right. So, uh, that movie, Dumb and Dumber, uh, side note, I cannot vouch for how wonderful that movie is because there's stuff in it, and it's been a long time since I've seen it, but I do love that movie in this clip in particular because it reminds me of my two little dudes, Harrison and William. William changed his name to Liam on his own, ages seven and five. I'm just glad it was like a version of William. He uh, went with Liam. So uh, it reminds me of them as they're learning what resources actually look like. Here's a picture of my adorable five-year-old Yes, there he is. William counting his money, uh, the target money. And I stole it this morning. Don't tell him that I have a huge wad of $100 bills in his adorable little money clip here this morning. Don't tell him. He is a little entrepreneur. The other day, he sold me something. Do you know when you leave La Rosa's and on the way out, there are those impulse toy buys where you put like a quarter in and you turn the little knob and you get that like spherical thing that's really hard to open. You know what I'm talking, you know what I'm talking about, right? Really hard to open. Inside is like a, a two cent prize. It was like a, a, a spider ring that's plastic. And he's learning the concept of money. And somehow I found myself dishing out $2 of real cash and I bought that plastic ring. Um, I don't know why. I think it was his adorable eyelashes or the way that he says daddy with T's in the middle. But needless to say, after, after he'd got $2 of real money out of me, he went into the other room and he started gathering crayons, broken crayons. He brought them to daddy. He's like, daddy, this red crayon, I will sell you for $2. <laughs> I, was, I was like, I was like, all right, buddy. And I said this in a kind, loving father way. But all right, buddy. Uh, first of all, it's broken. And it's not worth $2. And daddy already bought it for you. So no. Um, but it's so fun to see that they get $4 a week, a dollar to give to church, a dollar to save for uh, whatever they're saving for, college, maybe, uh, give it, save it, and $2 to spend. Did you know Hot Wheels are no longer 99 cents? They're like $1.18. Oh, inflation. Um, so yeah, $2 to spend. So they're learning the difference between this stuff right here and, oh, I brought a prop this morning. What's in the bag? Let's see here. Here we go. Are you ready? You're going to pay attention now, aren't you? The difference between, you're really going to pay attention. You're like, I'm going to give you each $100. Um, Rob's on vacation. He doesn't know that I spent $10,000 for a visual prop for the message this morning. Hi, Rob. You're watching online. Here it is. The budget's fine. 
It's okay. The building fund is still intact. We're going to buy the building. All right, my boys are learning the difference between counterfeit money and real money. They're learning the difference. And it's fascinating to see. How many of you have worked in retail before? Yes, I've worked in retail. How many of you have had to pull out one of these $100 bills, hold it up to the light, and look for it? I heard it. Oh, yeah. Yes, to see if it's there, to take the marker and slide it across to see if it turns yellow or brown. And nowadays, it's like really fancy. It's got this hologram, holograph in the middle. And what is the other determining factor, real money or fake money? The feel. It's the feel. All right, this morning, we are not talking about money. Okay, deep sigh of relief. We're talking about Love. We're talking about real love. On the heels of Valentine's Day, how many of you like love Valentine's? You're like, give me the box of chocolates and let me snuggle with my person. How many of you are that? Yes. Yes. How many of you are like cynical? I'm over it. Yeah, I appreciate the honesty. That's good. All right. So we're going to talk about real love this morning on the heels of Valentine's Day. And you're like, why the money thing? All right. Follow me here. Real love is the currency of life. Real authentic love is the real currency of abundant life. So we're going to ask ourselves this morning this really important question. Are we playing with counterfeit love or are we exchanging the real thing? Are we playing with counterfeit love or exchanging the real thing? And it's tricky because sometimes... We find ourselves like the guys in Dumb and Dumber. Lloyd, and what's Lloyd's buddy's name? Anybody? Harry, Lloyd and Harry. Thank you, I could not remember. Lloyd and Harry. And we're just like tossing out fake currency. It's like play money. And we can't tell the difference between the real thing and the fake thing. That's our first problem. But Jesus has a better way. Also, unfortunately, we are bound by... The English language, and the English language gives us how many words for love? One word for love. And it's tricky because we use the same word for many things. We're like, I love pizza. Yes, I love my job. I love my children. I love my spouse or significant other. I love this sports team. I love all of this, and it's like one word, and it's hard to tell the gravity for love based on what we're talking about. So Jesus also has a better way. We're going to look at two things. We're going to look at a deeper description of love, and then we're going to look at if love is the currency of life, are we exchanging it well? What does God teach us about that? And how can we engage with the real thing and expend the real thing? All right, so let's look at Scripture. All right, so the Old Testament was written in Hebrew, and the New Testament was written in Greek and in some places Aramaic. And the Greek language is far more descriptive when it comes to love. And I, and I love this because it helps me understand God's design for abundant love in a whole new way. So we're going to unpack that real quick. If you're a note taker, this is like some really good stuff. I was taking notes. I need to pay attention to this. So the first kind of love that we see in the Greek language is storge. I thought it was storage. I had to look it up yesterday on Google. 
and tell me how to pronounce it, storge. So storge is familial love. This is the love that you have with your children, your children towards you. This is a nostalgic love that's very trusting. It's a love you have for close friends that you've had for a very, very long time. Storge love. The second love is Eros love. How many of you married people out there? Yes, raise your hand if you're married. You know what I'm talking about, Eros love. Eros is the romantic, erotic, sexual love. And in church, we don't talk about this too often, but hey, spoiler alert, God made us, God made romance, God made sex, and he loves it. And within the confines of marriage, it's a beautiful thing. It's a glue that can hold people together in a, in a fascinating way. So storge love, familiar love, eros love, romantic love. Unfortunately, with eros love, that's the kind that is mainly magnified in the media and through movies. That's what we see. So that's what we tend to fixate on. It's also an obsessive love. It's a love based purely on emotions. The third kind of love that we see is phileo love. Philadelphia is known as the city of brotherly love. The city of brotherly love. Think of it this way. Another descriptor for phileo is philia. Uh, you didn't know you're going to get like science and like technology and grammar here today. But yeah, philia, the opposite of philia is phobia. So phobia is fear. Philio is comfortability. It's a deep level of comfortability and companionship with someone as a friend, on a friend level. So storge is family love, eros is romantic love, philio is brotherly love. We see this in scripture with King David and his friend Jonathan. We feel this today with people we have a deep connection with. It is not those other things. It is a feeling of camaraderie. If fear is over here, it is a level of comfort. But there's another kind of love. All three of these are wonderful. They're all great. God made these things. But there's a fourth kind of love. And it's bigger, deeper, and truer. First of all, we get confused. We think that love is a noun. We think that it's a verb. Something we do. But love is a person. It's a person, it's Jesus. Love is incomplete as a noun, something to have or to be in. It's more complex than a verb, an action or an expression. Love is a person perfectly displayed as God in the flesh of Jesus. God is love. We hear that. It's in scripture. And if God manifested himself in Jesus all we have to do is look at the life of Jesus to see a deeper, truer understanding of what love is. And the word for this love is agape. How many of you have heard of the word agape? Yes, I've heard it for years. So good for us to revisit. Agape is this. Agape is divine. Agape is selfless. Agape is not based on action. It's unconditional. Agape motivates our mind and our heart towards action for the benefit of others. Agape is completely divine. And it's not something that we can display apart from a relationship with Jesus and the current activity of the Holy Spirit. 
There's a passage in Corinthians that you've all heard at any wedding you've been to. And when you hear it, your mind probably shuts down a little bit, but it's so good. And we're going to focus on that this morning because if love is the currency of life, we need to know what we're talking about. Let's look at this together. Side note, I went to a small private Christian high school. So I memorized this passage a long time ago, and I'm going to try to impress you. Um, And side note, in that school, if you got in trouble, you had to sit down and like write scripture verse after scripture verse after scripture verse. And I have to say, it was great, but also there's kind of this duality and like a love for scripture. But like, if I get in trouble, I've got to write the entire Psalm 118. What? All right, here we go. Let's go to this. First Corinthians chapter 13. I'm going to try it. Here we go. Love is patient. Love is kind. It's not envy. It's not boast. It's not proud. It's not rude. Not self-seeking. Not easily angered. Keeps no record of wrongs. Does not delight in evil, but rejoices in the truth. Always trusts. Always, I messed up already. Always perseveres. Never, never fails. Okay, let's try it again. Slower. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It's not proud. It does not dishonor others. It's not self-seeking. It's not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always trusts, always protects, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. And if you're like me, you're like this is a lot. It's a lot of words. The benchmark is really high. It's extremely convicting, and there's no way I can do it. And I would say, yes, I agree with you. We're going to boil it down to three simple things. I'm a simple guy, so I need to have simple ways to understand. If love is the currency of life, how is it used in a way that honors God? How does God show himself through love, and how does he expect us to love other people. So let's unpack this just a little different because this love does feel different. This love feels different. The first way this love feels different is that real love deposits more than it withdraws. If love is the currency of life, it deposits more than it withdraws. It's concerned about investing in other people for the long term putting into their bank account and allowing that love to grow in unique ways. I love this because when Jesus was on the planet, he was constantly depositing himself into other people. With the disciples, he was constantly teaching them. With crowds that were following him, he was either feeding them or healing them or praying for them. Constantly depositing more than withdrawing. And yes, he pulled on the strength of his father, the direction of the Holy Spirit in a close, tight-knit circle of people in his friend group. But all that to say, true love, Jesus in the flesh, was constantly depositing more than withdrawing. And this is shown through that Corinthians passage when it says that love is kind. It's not self-seeking and does not dishonor others. It's not proud. How do we apply this? I'm a simple guy. Here's how we do it. When I'm in a relationship with someone, think of that primary relationship you have, your spouse, your kids, your coworker. Ask yourself this question. Who do I think of first? 
If you're in an interaction, ask yourself, whose needs do I think of first? And also ask yourself, am I desiring to be served or to serve? Am I wanting to be served or to serve other people? This is hard. It's counterintuitive to our humanity. It's counterintuitive to this sort of me first self-need sort of thing. And it's, it's hard to display. I, I, I have to have reminders in my life with, with my, my little people to constantly deposit into their lives more than to withdraw. I, I have to have these little reminders. So one of the things that I just, I've learned lately in my life, and it's so challenging, and as a parent, someone came up to me after first service, and they said, that was so convicting. I find myself showing affection to my kids, giving them a hug, but just like quickly going to the next thing, right? Because I'm a dad. I got to like take care of it. As a single dad, it's like moving from here to here to here. What if we tried this as parents? What if we tried this in close friendships? Don't be the first one to let go when it comes to a hug. Don't be the first one to let go. Let the other person initiate the end of a hug. It's made a huge difference with my little people because they want to linger. They want to linger with their dad. They want me to continue to deposit into their life. For those of you who are in a marriage, ask yourself every morning, what is something I can do to feed into the soul of the person who I'm supposed to be serving? Because marriage is serving, serving the other person. True love deposits more than it withdraws. Here's another little example. It doesn't take much, but man, it makes a difference. I went to Ikea. How many Ikea people there, out there? Yes. Try to put those bookcases together and there's like no English language. And the, yeah, you know what I'm talking about. Yes. So, but if you go to Ikea, there's this super cool like sign language hand. I put it in this position that shows I love you. I've got it by the front door. So anytime my boys go in or out of the house, no matter where they're headed towards or where they're coming from, they look at that and they say, my daddy loves me. He loves me all the time, constantly depositing into their lives. What are some of the things that we can do, practices that we can put into place? All right, here we go. So if if love is the currency of life, it's constantly depositing more than withdrawing. Also, If love is the currency of life, it's investing for the long term. The currency of life, it's investing for the long term. This one is intense. I love this out of 1 Corinthians. It says this, love is patient. It keeps no record of wrongs. What? How many of you have been in an argument with a very close friend or a spouse and they bring up something from years ago? You better be raising your hand. This happens, right? Yes, yes. What? This hits really close to home. All right, patient and keeps no record of wrongs. Investing in the long term. Let me introduce you to Dale and Alice. Look at this. Look at those young lovebirds. This is a real couple. And uh, a few years back, they were awarded some sort of unofficial award as the longest married couple. They met and they were married at age 18 and they're 99. I know, you're like, what? For those of you who have been married for 30 or 40 years, you're like, we've done it. 81 years. 
They have legitimate smiles on their faces. And I can guarantee you that, yes, they have some phileo love, some storge love, but the eros love looks a little different. It does. They've got some agape in there. These are Bible-believing, Jesus-loving, praying-together sort of couples. And there was a study uh, based on them and some other people who've been married for a long time, investing in the future. That's what real love does, the currency of life, invest in the future. Here's what they found out with this couple and other couples. First of all, successful marriages for the long term enjoy doing things together. Real simple. Enjoy being together and doing some things together. Secondly, compromise. Side note, love does not mean agreement. I think we got that wrong in society right now. Like, you don't love me, you don't agree with me. No, no, like you can disagree. Love does not mean agreement. In certain relationships, it means compromise. And then thirdly, Dale and Alice, patience. Patience with each other. Like Corinthians says, love Invest for the long term. It's with patience and no record of wrongs. How many of you grew up in a tradition where it was like reading scripture was like King James Version? Yes, that's cool. That's cool. Another word for patience is long suffering. I know. Long suffering. Can you imagine if you started dating somebody, your spouse, and you just kind of worked that in and you're like, Sweetie, you are adorable. Your smile is great. I just would love to suffer with you for a long time. Let's just suffer together for a long time. But that is what agape love is. It's a commitment to decide to love someone and to push towards with patience, investing in the future This is what I love about Jesus. We're the bride of Christ. Jesus is our groom. He loves us right now, just the way we are, and invests in a future with us so that when we're reunited with him in heaven, like it's a beautiful thing. He knows we're not complete. He's patient with us. He models this patience, this long suffering with his children. What does this look like? Practically, it means a deep breath. Three, two, one, one, two, three. What the heck is bothering me? The number of times I've said that in relationships. It means taking a deep breath and asking yourself, is this a macro issue or is this a micro issue? Does this speak to the character of my child or is this just a moment where I need patience to invest in this relationship for the long term? All right, so if love is the currency of life, it deposits more than it withdraws, it invests in the future, and also it spends from an endless supply. It spends from an endless supply. Jesus speaks about eternity and his love never failing, never failing us. And that's so hard for our finite minds to wrap ourselves around. His love comes from an endless supply. There's this beautiful scripture that talks about Jesus being this well 
of living water that never, never, never runs dry. He is an agape love that's constantly available that we can pull from and drink from to sustain us on the daily. He asks us to have a love that's unfailing, that's everlasting with the people around us. Impossible, right? This is where agape love asks us to plead with the Holy Spirit on the daily to move us towards an unfailing love, a love that is hard with children, challenging with the spouse, really tough with coworkers, and feels impossible when we do what Jesus asks, and that's to have agape love for our enemies. God wants us to have an unfailing, everlasting love for people that in our humanity we kind of hate. Right? It's a big deal. What does this look, look like on the daily? Think of it this way. Jesus, the Father God and his everlasting love is, is kind of like a parent to his kids. How many of your parents out there? Yes, all right. If your kid does something that you don't like or they're just flat out disobedient or they say something with deep emotion that's heavy and it's hurtful, I, I don't stop loving Harrison or William, right? And if, if I'm flawed and if I'm a human father, how much more does God, our loving father, love us right now in our humanity in an unchanging way, a love that never fails? God wants us to have that with other people with our marriages. It means grace, 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 mercy, 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 forgiveness, 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 choice, choosing, 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 choosing the person. For our friends, it's being present and available constantly, even when we don't feel like it. With our enemies, it means a deeper understanding of agape. And you're like, Brent, this is all cool, but it's really tough and impossible. And I would say, yes, yes, it is. We're going to talk about that in a second. Flat out impossible to have agape, unfailing love with people we care about in our inner circle, let alone people who we absolutely hate. But that's what God calls us to. All right, so this morning, we're reminded of the fact that love is the currency of life. Are we playing with counterfeit love or are we exchanging for the real thing? Real love deposits more than it withdraws, invests in the future, and it spends itself from an unfailing well that can only be drawn upon by the current activity of the Holy Spirit. All right. We're going to talk about how we respond to this. This is fascinating, all right? So back in the day, um, I love this stuff. It's fascinating to me. Uh, in the Old Testament, um, the seat of the emotions were the bowels. It was the intestines. Yeah, 
Can you imagine that? I love you with all my large intestines. Oh, how great is that? I mean, it doesn't really kind of ring the same way, especially if like IBS or something. You know, like, what does that really look like to love someone with all of your intestines? And then later on, it was moved to the, the heart. The seat of our emotions is the heart. How many of you grew up in a tradition where you've heard this before? I've heard this many times. Jesus is standing at the door of your heart. He's knocking. And he just wants to be invited in and hang out with you and create life change. How many of you have heard that before? Yes. It's beautiful. It's so beautiful. For me, I've heard it so many times. I like, I need a new way to look at it. This morning, God wants to do something different in our lives. This is for me. This is for you. Impossible to have real love apart from the Holy Spirit. But God doesn't just want to like knock and come in. He wants to surgically do a heart transplant. Let's think of our loving father as a divine surgeon who wants to just creak open our metaphorical rib cages, remove the old heart delicately with patience and politeness because that's how God works. And he wants to transplant it with the heart of Jesus. He wants to remove the old and put something completely new in. If you're like me, that's what I need this morning because this agape thing is so hard. It's really hard. We're going to pray in just a minute and speak to that a little bit. And then some of you this morning, you're like, we're talking about love. I'm cynical. You might be saying like, I'm calloused and I don't feel love in my life. You might say, like, I don't have a circle of people around me to love me. And you might not even feel valued. We're going to speak to that in a minute. I, I saw this analogy. I'm going to steal it. It spoke to me deeply, and I hope it speaks to you, all right? All right, so here's, here's a dollar. side note. These are fake. What? All right, so, yeah, Rob's gone on vacation, so it's not like I spent $10,000 for a visual aid this morning. This was $9 on Amazon. Um, I know, my boys don't know the difference. They're going to be buying a lot of Hot Wheels with this. So here's a real dollar. This is how I roll, right? One one dollar. Nice crisp dollar bill. All right. If I take this dollar and I fold it in half a couple times and I put it in my pocket and I forget about it, what is it worth? 95 cents? 100 pennies? 100 pennies? 100 cents? Okay, all right. You're with me. All right, need some interaction here. All right, so what if I take this dollar, right, and I crumple it up, and I just toss it off to the side? It's got to be worth like 90 cents now, right? No. How much is it worth? A dollar. 100 pennies. Okay. What if I take this, all right, just two more times, all right? What if I take this crumpled up bill, put it on the ground, I step on it, and I just mash it into the ground 
with my dirty boot that's walked who knows where, and I kick it off to the side. And then after that, I pick it up, and there's a trash can. I throw it in there, and there's some spilled pop and some chewed bubble gum in there. Tell me, it's got to be worth like 75 cents, right? No. How much is it worth? A dollar, 100 pennies. All right, last one. What if I take this? Real dollar bill. It's real. Feels different. Rip it in half. <gasps> Can't buy a Hot Wheel with that. They're $1.18 now. Rip it in half, and I just put it over here and cast it off to the side. Are you telling me that I can take this? I can take some, like, like, like some scotch tape, find a very gracious cashier, and still spend 75 cents and get a Diet Coke? It's real? I could do that. Yes? Yes, I can. You are valuable. The God who created the universe, the God who is love, has placed loving value in you. You have the currency of love flowing through your veins. It's in your DNA. He breathed his life into you and it does not matter if you have been placed in a pocket and you feel forgotten. Does not matter if the weight of the world is crushing you, okay? It does not matter if you have made decisions to be in the trash can, hanging out in places you shouldn't be, around things you shouldn't be around. You are valued. Nothing will change that. It does not matter if someone has stepped into your life, ripped you to shreds, and cause intense brokenness, or if on your own you have made decisions to break yourself and break all the relationships around you, it does not matter. You are highly valued and loved. And God has put the currency of love in your life, and that will never change. Never change. We're going to speak to those two things. Those of us who feel like we need a heart transplant. How many of you are that? I'm raising my hand twice. Yes. And those of you who feel undervalued and broken, who might have showed up this morning and you're like, I don't know if I could do another day. Let's be real. Like, that's a thing. This is for you. You're highly valued, valued and you're loved. We're going to sing a song that speaks to the unfailing nature of God's agape love. And while we sing this song, let the Holy Spirit do some surgery and a heart transplant in your life. And if you want to come forward and pray on your own right up here, this place is for you. If you want to pray with somebody over here, over here, and, and you just need to talk to somebody about how you feel broken or undervalued, God wants to do a transformative work in your life. Let's stand up together. We're going to say a little prayer. We're going to invite the Holy Spirit to do whatever he wants to do this morning. Father God, we thank you that you show us a better, truer, more real way of engaging with love in our lives. Help us to step into a deeper understanding of your agape love. It's impossible for us to do apart from your Holy Spirit. 
for those of us who need a heart transplant, take your spiritual surgical tools and do what you want to do. We give you permission. For those of us who feel forgotten, broken, crushed under the weight of the world, remind us that you've put love in our veins. You've breathed life into us and that we are highly valued and highly favored because you've made us. As we sing this song, do a mighty powerful work in us. We ask that in the name of Jesus. Amen. Let's sing this song together. I am so glad you guys were here this morning. I needed to hear this. I know some of you needed to hear this. Remind yourself that you are valued. All of us here are just a bunch of ragamuffins trying to pursue this Jesus in the best way that we can. May the Lord bless you and keep you. Let his face shine upon you, be gracious to you, and show you his unfailing love this week. We'll see you guys next weekend.